today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Wait patiently upon Him. The Word tells us that when we wait on the Lord, what? We'll mount up with wings like eagles. We'll be able to run and not grow weary. We'll be able to walk and not faint. When we wait on the Lord. How can I wait on the Lord? I need to do something. I'm that kind of a guy. I don't know if you know that. that if something needs to be done, I, I want to go do it. I'm probably one of the worst in this room in waiting, waiting, waiting. But I know that when I wait on the Lord, He will complete what He says He'll do. God is very intentional about everything He does. His plans are perfect and His timing is exact. So many things needed to happen for the Christmas story to unfold the way we know it. Jesus' birth was carefully planned and orchestrated by the Father. Pastor David will teach the progression of historical events that allowed Jesus' arrival to be exactly when and where it needed to be, fulfilling every prophecy. That was the case for Jesus' birth, and that is true for your life as well. You can trust God's plans. Wait patiently for Him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Galatians chapter 4 with today's edition of The Open Word. It was after the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It was in 70 AD that Titus and the Roman legions came and once again wiped them out. Nebuchadnezzar had done it previously with the Babylonian uh, attack into Jerusalem and the temple destroyed it. They came, they rebuilt this temple. Then finally, 70 AD, Titus, the Roman legions, came in, destroyed it again. And that's what he's speaking about. So he's putting a timeline there. He's throwing out the idea that from the time that a decree comes that we can leave Babylonian captivity and go and rebuild our city and our nation, 490 years will take place, and we'll see Messiah, but he'll be cut off at that point in time. You have to see here that God is setting a timetable in motion a timetable to declare the time of the coming of Messiah. 69 weeks from the giving of the command to rebuild Jerusalem until the day of Messiah's arrival, not the day of his birth, but the day that they actually proclaim him Messiah. Remember on, again, the the day as he comes into Jerusalem on that Sunday, the triumphant entry, and that's when the people are declaring him as Messiah. And again, uh, he is receiving that. The priests say, hey, teacher, tell your disciples to keep it quiet. And Jesus says, hey, if they're quiet, the stones are going to cry out because it was at that point that his messiahship was again declared fully and completely. So in the book of Ezra, Old Testament, we read where it was Darius, the Persian king, 
who gave the royal command to fulfill the command of an earlier king, King Cyrus, to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. You see, Cyrus, when he became king, when the Persians overtook the Babylonians, Cyrus was the king at that point in time. He was, um, a lot of stuff was shared with him. The decree was made. As a matter of fact, his, his name was even declared 150 years before he became the king. And through all of these things, he told the people of Israel, you can go and rebuild. But then they stopped building because, again, the complaints from those that were still in the area of of Jerusalem came against them. The building stopped, and it stalled for a number of years until Darius of Persia reread the decree and said, hey, no, you guys go ahead and go build. So the clock had started, and it stopped, and it started again. The decree of Cyrus was made 70 years following that initial exile of the Jews to Babylon. That in itself was a fulfillment of the prophecies of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 12, it says, it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord. So 70 years after the first group of exiles went to Babylon, that's when the Medes and the Persians came and overran Babylon. But again, it was at that point then that the Persians came in, and again, the decree of Cyrus that, hey, it's okay for you to go back to Jerusalem. Also in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. So again, God had a particular timetable. He told the people, you'll be in captivity for 70 years. And sure enough, after 70 years following that initial captivity, The first group of exiles, as foretold by Jeremiah, started coming back. The Babylonian Empire had fallen. The Medes and the Persians rise to power, uh, becomes the Persian Empire. And again, Cyrus, his name was declared by Isaiah 150 years before he even came into being. Again, God has this plan. He has this time frame, and he's working this time frame out. Cyrus made that initial decree, and so again, the clock was set in motion. Now, fast forward 460 years from the time that that decree was given. Fast forward, not 490, but 460 years. And in the area of Persia, which is now what we know as Iran, that very same area, in that area, the descendants of the wise men, the group that Daniel had been with, that Daniel was ruler and teacher over, that Daniel had probably poured as much information as he could of the Hebrew scriptures on these men, 460 years after that decree, right at the turn of, uh, again, 1 BC to AD 1, right around that time, give or take a couple of years, in the area of Persia, the descendants of these wise men are reading their holy books. Now, one other quick, now this is a side note. There's no extra charge for this, but it's interesting to see that Persia, 
of the Old Testament was, as I said, it is modern-day Iran. Now, in the New Testament, we read of the rulers or the kings of these people. They are called the kings of the East. If you want to look there, it's in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. But it says, this is during, again, the bowl judgments. It says, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the ways of the kings from the east might be prepared. So that preparation they speak of is for that last, for that great battle, that place that, again, Revelation tells us is called in the Hebrew Armageddon. It's all the same area. And again, these princes, these men, all of that working together. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's back up, okay, to that 460 years after the decree. Again, these magi, these wise men, they're reading through all of their holy books. And it's very possible that they would have come across a very small but a very important passage in the book of Numbers, way back in the book of Numbers, of Moses' writings. And in Numbers chapter 24, verses 15 through 17, God uses a very unlikely individual. You've heard of Balaam, the prophet for hire? I'll say anything you want me to, just give me enough money. And remember when, again, I believe it was the king of Moab was trying to get him to curse Israel, and he says, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I can't. Every time I open up my mouth comes out a blessing. Well, we find out in Numbers 24, verses 15 through 17, Balaam took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are open." the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. And he writes this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. But a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise up out of Israel. A messianic promise that again, out of Jacob, out of Israel, this leader shall come. Could it be that in observing the fullness of time, again, looking at Daniel's prophecies and the possibility that perhaps they saw a sign in the heavens, a bright star in the sky, the star out of Jacob? Could it just possibly be that these wise men, these magi, these kingmakers from the former Persian Empire saw that star while they were there in the east, and they saw the star to the west, And they determined, after looking through all of their holy books and looking through the Hebrew scriptures, that they determined to follow that star to the one that would be the scepter rising out of Israel. And so, on a journey, which would have probably started many months prior, and yet still we read that it was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, 
Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. And all of the pieces start coming together. Their arrival would have been sometime after the birth of Jesus. We discussed that the other day when many of the ladies were here decorating the auditorium and, and the foyer. Uh, we have the wise men along with the, the shepherds on our nativities. Most nativity sets are that way. But the reality is, is the wise men were nowhere near that night when the shepherds were there. That happened sometime later. We know that because of a couple of scriptures that make it so clear. Matthew 2.11 tells us that when these wise men had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. There was a couple of things. Number one, they're in a house. And number two, they're calling it a young child. Not a newborn babe, a young child. They fell down, they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented the gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very likely Mary and Joseph would not have stayed in that stable for more than that one night. After that baby was born, I guarantee you, Joseph probably would have been knocking on every door possible to try and find a place for them to be. Whether it be a relative or a friendly person, somehow to allow Mary and the baby to have some kind of comfort and safety, guard against the weather. The second scripture that we find, still in Matthew 2, in verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth, and he put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and younger. Now, he had determined when the wise men first went there, the earlier verses in Matthew, the wise men determined and, and helped him to know when that child was born. So he heard again, uh, was the child two years? Probably not quite that old, probably not, but definitely not the babe in the manger. Uh, very feasible that the wise men first saw the star even at Jesus' birth. And then as they had the time to look through the scriptures and then travel to Jerusalem, very likely Jesus was probably at least, if not months old, definitely weeks old, no longer in the manger, the uh, magi coming at a separate time than the shepherds. But we know God's timing is perfect. It was truly in the fullness of time that God had led the children of Israel even into captivity because at that point in time, the gifted ones, the anointed ones, like Daniel, made such a powerful impression on Nebuchadnezzar that Nebuchadnezzar brought him up into place of leadership to teach his wise men, his magi, so that years and years later, they would have that understanding. It was in the fullness of time that Nebuchadnezzar, again, allowed him to teach those Hebrew scriptures. It was in the fullness of time that Babylon fell to the Persian Empire. And a man by the name of Cyrus, that again, God named 150 years prior to that, 
that Cyrus gave the decree to go and rebuild and restore Jerusalem. It was in the fullness of time that the Greeks defeated the Persians. And then in the fullness of time, the Romans defeated the Greeks. And the language and the culture of the entire region becomes one. It was in the fullness of time that the Roman Empire brings about an overall peace, builds roadways connecting the empire that, again, allows the safe travel of a very pregnant woman from the northern portions of Israel to come down to the great city of Jerusalem and then down into Bethlehem. In the fullness of time, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed or registered. That census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of Nazareth, the northern portion of Israel, down to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, about five miles outside of Jerusalem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David. And it was in the fullness of time as the city was overrun with all the visitors and all the inns were filled, that so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Guys, the other thing we know, that it was in the midst of his earthly ministry, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Guys, the timing of God is exact. Exact. And I don't know what each one of you are going through. I started to say, I don't care what each one. That's not true. I do care. But I don't know what each one of you are going through. And I know for some of you, it seems like it's stretching out almost to an eternity, this thing that's going on or the anticipation or the wait or whatever it might be. But understand and know the timing of the Lord is exact. Trust in the Lord. Wait patiently upon him. The word tells us that when we wait on the Lord, what? We'll mount up with wings like eagles. We'll be able to run and not grow weary. We'll be able to walk and not faint. When we wait on the Lord. How can I wait on the Lord? I need to do something. 
I'm that kind of a guy. I don't know if you know that. That If something needs to be done, I, I want to go do it. I'm probably one of the worst in this room in waiting, waiting, waiting. But I know that when I wait on the Lord, he will complete what he says he'll do. When I wait on the Lord, it becomes his strength and not mine. You see, when I'm running ahead of the Lord, guess whose strength I'm running in? Yeah, and it's going to run out really, really quick. Got to wait on the Lord. When I do it on my own, I got a plan, God. Run with me here, will you? No, that's a bad, bad plan, okay? Lord, what is your plan? Let me run with you. Because when I do it, it's going to end up a mess. It's going to end up a mess. His timing for you, for me, is exact. His call to you and to me speaks not only of the greatness of his love, but also the greatness of his plan. I'll share with you real quick. When I was in high school, and Tot will laugh at this, we've told this story multiple times. When I was in high school, my senior year, I was in love. I was in love with the pastor's daughter, okay? You knew I was in trouble right there, right? We had great plans. We had great schemes. Figured, hey, another couple of years, we'll get married. And that's what the prayer was. That's what the thought was. That's what the hope was. Then she dumped me, okay? She dumped me for a jock, okay, you know, an athletic guy. But you know what? Wasn't God's plan. Wasn't God's time. Wasn't God's purpose. Like a year later, less than a year there, I met Todd. And uh, we had a whirlwind romance. We met in January, started dating in May. We were engaged by August and married by the next April. We were kids. I was 19. She was almost 19. Think they'll make it? It'll take a miracle. (laughs) But they did, 45 years later. Why? Because that was God's plan and God's purpose. Guys, when we wait on him, we can see him do the miraculous. When we wait on him, we have strength to be able to run the course that's set before us. There's a course that's set before every one of us. And as I've shared, I think just just last week, the journey that we have. Some journeys are really difficult, and I understand that. But you know what? When you're running that difficult journey in the strength of the Lord, you can make it. You will make it. And the word even promises you will be more than conquerors through Christ when we run with him. To have him touch our lives with his forgiveness. To have him call us into obedience and to holiness. For him to use us for his great glory. He desires to do that. And beloved, he will do that in the fullness of time.
As the Christmas season approaches, you can easily find yourself overwhelmed with the to-do lists, parties, gift-giving, decorating. The list goes on and on. We'd like to invite you to take a moment, however, and enjoy the peace and joy this season promotes. Remember why you're celebrating. Jesus came to live among people and love them like never before. Because of Him, you're here right now listening to this program. We hope this moment of peace renews a love for your Savior in your hearts and fills you with hope. If you'd like to hear more messages from The Open Word, you'll find them at theopenword.com. Before our time with you is up today, we'd also like to invite you to be a part of our weekly worship gatherings. Here's Pastor David with more information. Yes, we here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, we have a seat waiting for you at one of our three weekend worship services. Come by on Saturday at 6.30 or Sunday at 9 or 11 o'clock. And even Wednesday night at 6.30. We guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces, a diverse group of Jesus-loving people, all on a journey to learn more about the Savior and the truth of His Word, the Bible. Come as you are, and you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website again is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. We're excited to worship Jesus with you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.